0: listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio and I'm James Whitmore. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land this show is being broadcast from, the Rwandri people of the Kulin Nations, and pay my respects to Elders past and present. Today we're heading to the oceans around Antarctica, some of the richest and wildest seas left on the planet, home to incredible numbers of unique wildlife like penguins, seals and whales. We're catching up with campaigners in the fight to keep these seas for wildlife. That's right after this. When you compare an old-growth forest compared to a forest which is regrowing after a disturbance like logging, they're actually quite different ecosystems. Generally, like older, wetter forests go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on nine four one You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio. Go to your local chemist's warehouse, wander down the health supplements aisle, and you'll likely find bottles of krill oil, often marked sustainably sourced. Much of that krill comes from the seas around Antarctica, where it's caught by huge industrial fishing vessels. As we'll hear, those vessels are increasingly coming into conflict with Antarctic wildlife and now some organisations are calling for increases to krill catch limits to be paused. I spoke to Alistair Allen from the Bob Brown Foundation to find out more. Hi Alistair, so you recently you've been uh, in Patagonia and in the waters around Antarctica. Can you tell us a bit about where you've been and what you've been doing?
2: Yeah, so uh, I've, for the last three months, I've been on uh, a vessel called the Allen K, which is Sea Shepherd Global's new vessel. Uh, we departed from Namibia uh, and did an Atlantic crossing that took us to South Georgia Island, which is a sub-Antarctic island, uh, and then down to uh, Coronation Island, which is part, part of the South Orkneys. Now, the reason for this trip was that we were going down to document and expose uh, the krill fishing industry uh both of these islands are areas that they operate. We also went down to the Antarctic Peninsula, Peninsula as well, which is where they fish as well. Uh, and we were really trying to get an idea of what this industry was doing down there because it's a fisheries at the end of the world and not many people pay attention to it.
0: So before we get to the krill, I just want to know, as an environmental campaigner in this you know, extraordinary environment, what's it like?
2: I mean... Is having this is now my sixth time heading down to antarctica it's a unique experience every time it's never the same uh It is truly one of the last great wild places left on the planet, although it does have a very uh severe history of exploitation it is that that stopped uh and at least subsided to a degree uh from the absolute all out war that was happening down there in the the turn of the century around industrialization. Uh, But it's just, it is a stunning, it's beautiful, it's breathtaking, it's not, it's very hard to think of anywhere else, Uh, you know, I've done all seven continents luckily in my life and I just can't think of anywhere that's really quite the same as Antarctica. Uh, And I think a lot of that's to do with the animals that live there and sort of the sheer magnitude of the amount of animals that you can see and the amount of life that, that teems in those oceans. And... Um, how special that is in a world where our oceans are are suffering quite a lot. So can, you've been out there for over you
0: know three months. Can you tell us a bit about what you've seen and particularly you know what you saw of the krill fishing industry and and also anything that you know sort of surprised you about the industry?
2: I think going down uh, there was a fair bit of. Um... Not trepidation, but I was unsure of what to expect from the krill fishery. I'd read a lot of reports that was talking about a fishery that was right in the midst of a pretty severe wildlife conflict. But on the same side, you had the industry saying that this didn't exist. So I was either going to arrive and it was going to be all flowers and roses and the fishery would look very benign and and it would look like that they weren't having much of an impact on the ecosystem. Instead, what happened is it it was much more like the reports I'd been reading warning about the growing conflict between wildlife. So when we arrived at Coronation Island, just to paint the scene, we arrived early in the morning. Uh, we had some targets on the radar. We, it was sort of misty. You could see some of the glaciers and, and uh, the icebergs in the distance, but we could, and we launched our little, our little um, Zodiac boat and sort of raced towards these, these targets we had on the radar and they sort of emerged out of the mist. But as we were going there, it was just there was just penguins everywhere. There was whales all around us. And then suddenly these big hulking, you know, super trawlers. Like they're some of the biggest fishing vessels I've seen. I've seen a lot of fishing vessels, but they're 130 meters long, targeting, you know, Krill, which is the one of the smallest little animals in the sea. And to see these just massive uh steel superstructures amidst all this sort of beauty and wildlife was actually much more confronting than I thought it might be it was really they felt incredibly out of place to have such a large industrial machine sort of trawling around through through rafts of penguins and and pods of whales it was it was quite a shocking scene in the end and um what we saw on that first day was just it got as the mist lifted. It just got more and more clear that these, you know, these trawlers were within hundreds and hundreds of fin whales. There's just whales everywhere, and it really looked like the trawlers were using the whales because they're both. The whales are there for krill, right? That's why their whales want to be there, and the, they know this. So the, the the super trawlers are almost using the pods of whales to sort of trawl through them, um, and it just presented a scene of quite a clear and shocking conflict between what is or what should be, a, in my opinion, a wild and spectacular place where it's pure beauty and nature. And instead you had this sort of very confronting fishing industry, uh sort of ruining that, that scene.
0: Mm. So can you talk us through and then perhaps explain a little bit about what the essential problem here is with the krill fishing industry? I mean, you've just alluded to some pretty intense wildlife conflict. But could you just, um, you know, distill it down to what the, the real problem here is with the industry?
2: So the problem with krill fishing is that they are targeting the foundation of the Antarctic ecosystem. So when you look at all the animals in the Antarctic food web, krill is either the very thing they rely on, or it's like one step, They, you know, the an orca eats a squid or you know whatever it is that whatever the the step is it, it, krill is the bedrock of everything uh and the what the krill fishing industry is doing is is that they're creating a fishery that they put a huge amount of time and effort into making seem green sustainable uh and a very sort of above board fishery but the reality is it's a fishery that does nothing to contribute to Anything like global food security, and instead, what it is is it's just profit extraction. So they they try and push this product into areas that we don't need or products we don't we don't need at all. And the conflict that I see is that who pays the price for that are the penguins and the whales that live, you know, are trying their very best to survive in a in, a, in an ecosystem that honestly is going to have a, a, a pretty steep hill to climb. In regards to climate change and other threats coming down the line, so to be pulling out the animal that they all survive, need to survive just seems like uh, an environmental crime when it's a, a fisheries that we don't need at all. And the the real issue that, that that's rearing its head now is that they would they would counter that by saying, "Well, we only we only fish a very small amount of the krill biomass," which is true, but it's also based on very um, Unrigorous data. They 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 haven't done a krill survey. They've just completed one, and the results are coming out soon. But they hadn't done one for 20, twenty almost twenty years before that. So they were just fishing based on one uh survey from a long time ago, which is sort of unheard of when you think when you talk about um uh, a fisheries management. Normally, you're constantly updating the your your stock management. But the problem is is that they now fish right off the the areas where penguins and whales are expecting to find krill. So they're they're only like two or three miles off the coast of a penguin rookery. And so when mum and dad penguins swim out to feed their young and and try and find a krill, uh, a super trawler has come along and vacuumed it all out. And rather than fishing in areas where there isn't that wildlife conflict, uh, they're not giving any ground on that. They're they're staying right next to um, these sort of sensitive areas.
0: Mm. I mean, you've just mentioned there that Krill is a product that we don't necessarily need. Um, could you explain, explore that a little further? How? What? What are the sort of products that krill ends up in, and, and and how are they marketed to the rest of
2: us? Sure. Yeah. So I think most people would be surprised to know where krill ends up. I can pretty much guarantee anyone listening to this could go down to their local chemist and find Antarctic krill. On a shelf, and it's it's quite surprising that this little animal makes a journey from the end of the world to you know a uh, uh, supermarket shelf in Bendigo or in Brisbane. It doesn't, you know, it it what what they've done is they've they've seen that there's a fishery here. In the 70s and 80s, there was a push to try and make it for human consumption. They actually to eat krill meat that didn't do very well, and so what they started doing is they started putting it into other things as additives. And then they figured out that they could make a krill oil out of it. So that's what you see in chemists is a krill oil. Now that's for supposed, um, omega threes and health. Like it's definitely that it does contain that, but you can get that from a myriad of other sources that isn't the foundation of the Antarctic ecosystem. In fact, it doesn't need to be from an animal at all. You can get it from plants and it's you know, very easy to do. Um, they then pushed it into things like aquaculture, and that's where a lot of it ends up now, uh, is feeding farmed fish, uh, which is one of the biggest problems. Aquaculture is often, ha- often heralded as, you know, the, a solution to the global protein problems that we have in food production. But it's very often the case that huge quantities of wild fish, or in this case, krill, are used to create that product. And it's a it's a really poor energy exchange, you know. I think for for a kilogram of farm salmon in, in Australia, I think it's something like 1.8 kilos of fish goes in to make that kilogram of salmon. And they use krill even more sort of shockingly, not, not so much to fatten the animal, but they use it because if they contain, um, the, I think called acethaxin, which is what gives the, the, the flesh of the salmon that pink color and it's a natural waste. So most of the, most of the, um, farm salmon that you would see on a supermarket it isn't actually pink it's it when it before it gets its color changed. they actually have like little charts i've seen them where they you can choose as a farmer what color you want your salmon flesh to be um it's normally like quite a a gray sickly sort of color and they they use astaxanthin normally synthetically um as a pe- it's a petrochemical product um but obviously there's some pushback against you know additives and uh, things like ethoxyquin and acethaxin and all these chemicals getting pushed, put into salmon. So krill is sort of a more natural alternative to that. And then the final thing, which before I started really looking into this issue, I didn't know much, amount, much about, but there's quite a big push to put it in pet food as well, which is sort of, it's just, that's just the sign of an industry just looking, you know, if you've got a product, you're catching something, they're just trying to find somewhere to put it. Uh, and so up until last year, um the biggest company that that fish krill, which was a Norwegian company called Acabi Marine, they won't make they had made no profit at all in the 19 years. They did make a profit last year, but it was very small. And so it, it kind of feels like the krill fishing industry is still almost like a startup that's trying desperately to like, we've got this product, like let's put it in things. Let's, you know, can we put it in you, rubber tires, yeah, sure. If they could, they would. They're just trying to find a spot to to put this product and keep the fishery going, which is why when I go down and see it and then see this amazing Antarctic plateau of whales and penguins ruined by an industrial trawler, you just think, "Wow, we're doing this for products we absolutely have either have alternatives to or simply don't need at all."
0: Mm-hmm. And um, what you're just saying, there's some really interesting linkages between um, the krill fishing industry and the salmon farming industry, which, of course, has uh, its own set of problems in Tasmania.
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's just I think it's just added as to another one of the never ending lists of the the, the problems that come with um, salmon aquaculture. Not just in Tasmania, globally, I think, uh, you know, salmon farms globally, whether it's Scotland, Norway, Chile, Canada, it just comes with a host of environmental problems, Uh, whether that be destroying waterways, diseases, animal welfare. Um, The feeding of krill, again, is just the long arm of aquaculture reaching down to the end of the world. And as I said before, it's 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 little penguins that are paying the price for for farmed salmon, and and it just really it's it's when you've got a fishery like this that exists in an area that really has been Antarctica has been pretty well recognised through most channels as a a fairly a unique and wonderful place. There's so much, you know, if you look at the, tu- the even though it's self regulated, you look at some of the tourism regulations there. It's like you can't even walk across a penguin track in case that means that a penguin doesn't go back to its nest. But here we have a fishery that's, you know, just absolutely out of place and doesn't belong there. You're not only not driving over a penguin track, but like instead penguins are trying to not even get, you know, compete with this indu- huge industry. Yeah, sorry, huge industrial vessel. Uh, it seems, it seems, um, Maddening, uh, or or it's hard for the the mind to comprehend that kind of thing of why they're there. We're talking to Alastair Allen from the Bob Brown Foundation.
0: More more on what's happening in those chilly Antarctic waters shortly, but first, here's Betty Rays with Rhythms. You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio.
1: Oh, man.
0: You're listening to Out of the Blue on 3CR Community Radio. And before that, we had Betty Rays with Rhythms. We're chatting to Alistair Allen, a campaigner for the Bob Brown Foundation, who's recently been out on the ocean in Antarctica, taking a look at the krill fishing industry. Can you talk a little bit about how the industry is regulated uh, and whether um, the regulations exist? And also whether, i mean, I mean, I think I know the answer, but whether those regulations are effective at all.
2: Yeah, so they're regulated under um, CAMLA, which is the Commission for the Conservation of Antarctic Marine Living Resources. It's quite a mouthful. Um, And that's based here in Hobart. That's 27 nations together under a sort of a treaty that that set the the rules for um, the oceans in Antarctica. Um, The industry would say that they're one of the most well-regulated fisheries out there if you compare that to like um fishing that happens off the west coast of africa where i've seen stuff or if you compare that to you know parts of asia or wherever it is um for sure they've got better regulations but again it, it doesn't go back so much to the regulations but to me it's more a question of why are we allowing an industry like this inside antarctica in the first place um the the Coming up this year is going to be a big year for Camelot because krill fishery is sort of on everyone's tongues about uh, 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 what's going to happen there. Um, and there's a push or there's rumours of a push that they might try and increase the the krill catch at the moment. So at the moment that's 620,000 tonnes and there's a push that, that might potentially go up. Um, and so Camelot can make the choice whether that goes up or not. And one of the things that I'd really like to see Camla do this year, and especially Australia, is to ensure that the, the krill catch doesn't go up. Uh, and because Kamala operates on a, um, a consensus-based, unanimous consensus decisions, even if every country said yes and Australia didn't, the, the, the quota still wouldn't go up. So um, when we went down and documented the fishery, um, and we put out news and you know stories about it. The, this, Tanya Plibersek, uh, as the Federal Environment Minister, did say that Australia supports stronger regulations on the fishery. Obviously, that's open to interpretation. But one of the things I'd like to see is that, that, that Tanya would, and the Australian government wouldn't allow an increase in the catch. Mm-hmm.
0: So it's regulated mainly then by the um, the catch amount that's allowed. Are there areas of the ocean where the krill fishing industry can't go? Um, I mean, you've already mentioned that they can fish very close to uh, Antarctic wildlife. Um, but, it, yeah, is it mainly the the total catch amount?
2: Yeah, so the, the regulations, um, um, uh, they do have what are called sub-areas. So the fishery is broken into different sub-areas, the main one is 48 so there's 48.1 48.2 48.3 and then there's different trigger levels inside that so once they reach a quota for 48.1 they have to move to 48.2 you know there's things there uh the krill industry also when the obviously they've ever since they started but especially since 2010 onwards uh when they got msc certified There's been a lot of pushback from uh, NGOs in the US, Europe and elsewhere saying that, you know, it shouldn't be MSC certified and it has big sustainability problems and there's big wildlife problems. Like this is not a new issue the the the, the alarm bells have been sounding for a long time. And to sort of counter that, uh, because the industry knows that, in my opinion, they know they exist on quite a flimsy social license just based on the fact that they're in it like what we did talked about when, when we started this, they're in this incredible place and they, and they're not silly. They realize that they, they look out of place there. So what they did is they, in 2018, is they gave some voluntary exclusion areas. So they, they, it wasn't regulated by any camera or anything, which I think is a problem. I think when industry is regulating itself, you're already in on a bad, a bad footing. It should be government or, uh, or, or a treaty regulating something. Uh, but they did give some areas where they wouldn't go 30 miles. Uh, they gave themselves a 30-mile exclusion from from the shore. But, of course, that just moves them from those areas to where we saw them. And, I did, you know, there might have been a penguin rookery where they, they said that they weren't going to fish, but there certainly was a penguin rookery where I saw them because there were penguins everywhere and they were only a couple of miles from shore. So I don't think that giving a little bit of ground here, there, and probably in areas where tourists, where, you know, Uh, cruise liners go and and they're they're getting bad press about doesn't really solve the issue i think um the the problem is is that they're they're catching something we don't need to catch it's foundational to an ecosystem and they do it in areas where animals and are in true conflict with them
0: so you've mentioned, um, you know, this is a very important year and that you're really campaigning for Australia to take a strong stance against increasing any limits on um, on the catch allowance for krill. Um, but in the long run, what would you like to see for this industry?
2: Uh, our campaign for Antarctica in general focuses on no fisheries in Antarctica whatsoever. So the krill industry isn't the only one there. There's also a toothfish industry that comes out of Australia, and a few and so other countries as well uh and there's also a couple of other smaller fisheries the krill obviously stands head and shoulders above as you know super trawl is uh in, in them they're the biggest one i would like to see an interfishing to, to in antarctica i don't think that any of those products so whether it's krill or whether it's toothfish toothfish is another one doesn't do anything to contribute to global food security instead it's a it's like a fancy, it's like a, it's rhino horn or shark fin. It's like a fancy meal that you can have at a fancy restaurant and comes from the end of the world and, you know, all that sort of thing. So it's not like Antarctica is this big, huge hub for 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 what we, we need to provide the planet. Um, and so that mean, in my opinion, that means that there isn't like a, there isn't a conflict there. It's, it's an easy decision to say that there's no, to have no fishing down there. I think for the krill industry, I would like to see them, if they're, you know, ACA Biomarine, again, the biggest company, they all talk. They always talk about planetary health and, and doing good for the environment. I think they know uh, and have long known that they, it's not a sustainable fishery. And I think they do everything they can to present it that way. But I think deep down they realise it's not. So I'd like to see them pull out, the krill industry pull out, uh, and I'd like to see krill off the shelves. I think if, if governments aren't going to do it, I think companies need to realise that if you've got it on your shelf or if you've got it in your supermarket, you're contributing to a problem that does not need to exist and it's very easy for you not to be part of that in Antarctic destruction.
0: That was Alistair Allen from the Bob Brown Foundation. And that's all we've got time for this week. To listen to this show again or any of our previous episodes, head to 3cr.org.au forward slash radio blue. We'll be with you again next week, and in the meantime, stay well.